Hey, super good to see you all, eh? It's cool doing church with humans. Although my whanau is human, but you know what I mean. You guys are cooler. Hey, let me do a little prayer. Um, so church is online as well, so we recorded that during the week. So right now there'll be a whole pile of people watching church online. Um, it's kind of cool. There's a lot of people that don't go to church that when we put church online um, connect in, which is really cool. Um, and people use it for secretly getting Jesus into their families, which is cool. So we've had a few messages from different people that we know who are like our age, so super old, and their kids are like miles away from Jesus, but they'll invite them around for food, and then, oh, by the way, let's watch Church Online, and they, their kids really love it, which is cool, so there's all sorts of, God does cool things with Church Online. Um, some of my clan and my crazy game are still watching Church Online, which is awesome, so it's kind of weird, so, so let me do a little prayer, eh, and then we'll get into it, yeah. Yeah, Morena again, uh, almighty God, uh, yeah, it is cool to be together, eh? Um, I know you designed us for community, and so being the church uh, all apart is just really hard. Um, I don't know. I know we are the church, but it just felt really hard uh, during lockdown to not be together. Um, so thanks that we're kind of popping out um, this end. Eh? Yeah, I just pray a real blessing over people uh, right now and <laughs> for the next... Uh, weeks and years even, who are going to uh, jump onto uh, YouTube and watch uh, this message and, and the Bible reading that Daniel bought and the other bits and pieces of, pieces of church online. So I pray a real blessing for them, God. Thanks that they have, there's a zillion things they could be doing, but they've taken time to invest in their relationship with you to grow closer to you. So uh, bless that service, I pray. Yeah, can you speak loudly to us this morning? We're here because we want to hear from you always. So speak to us, guide us. Help us to leave uh, more like Jesus than when we came in, God. Yeah, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. Hey, so um, thanks for feedback. So got some really good positive feedback over that Hope series that Chris and Sarah and I preached that last one, which is really cool. So heaps of people saying, oh my gosh, just really needed to be reminded of that our hope is in God and God's got us in this real crazy time. Um, I probably say this too much, but it feels like the world is getting crazier and crazier every moment, right? So at the moment, we've got massive migrant trains heading through um, Mexico. We've got massive migrant trains in Poland. We've got Russia thinking about invading Ukraine or probably doing it any day. We've got China taking... It's just like complete craziness around the world. And then in the midst of all that, you've got COVID going crazy. Now there's a new... Um, Omicron variant that's come out that everyone's freaking out and all of Europe's locking down their borders and America's stopping international travel again and you're just like, what is going on, right? Um, so I want to talk about this whole hope, uh, how is Jesus the hope of the world? That's kind of this new series we're going into. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is that um, we know we have true hope because we're connected with Jesus and that, that, that lifeline we have to Jesus is essential and to be honest, at the moment, I feel like I'm being bombarded <laughs> by anxiety and fear and judgment and disunity and confusion, and I sometimes feel like I'm just about drowning, <laughs> and I feel like I'm kind of holding on to a lifeline of Jesus, and I'm like, Jesus, if you let it go, I'm done, which he won't, but I'm like, hold on, Craig, because I feel like I'm just getting smashed by this current of just, ah, at the moment, um, so that's kind of where I want to go this morning, in the midst of all this craziness. How do I, how do I have this real hope in Jesus, right? Um, so let me start with a silly story. Um, who's been whitewater rafting in here? Anyone? 
whitewater rafting, heaps of people, whoa, good on you. So I've only been a few times, and I find it a combination of absolute terror and absolute exhilaration. Does that kind of sum it up for some of you? Maybe? Yeah, it's good, eh? So a whole bunch of years ago, when I was a lot younger, um, we decided to do some whitewater rafting up on the Kaimais. And so a bunch of friends and I, um, when I was living in Matamata, decided to make our own raft, as you did back then. And so we made our raft out of tractor tyre tubes and poplar poles that we cut down in the bush. And then we shredded up some tractor tyres to like long rubber bits and then tied them, tied the whole thing together. And it was amazing. And we were like, best raft ever. Chucked on a trailer, went up to the Kaimais. So if you know the Kaimais, McLaren Falls. You know McLaren Falls where you jump in and you go down there. It's pretty crazy. So we got there with our amazing raft, and as we were getting out, there was all these professional rafting groups that take people, you know, and people were paying to go with them, and all these guys were really, like, concerned, and they came over, about three or four of the professional dudes came over, and they're like, hey, just, you know, this river is a level, whatever it was, there's some big drops, your raft will not survive, or really well, and we were like, man, thanks for your concern, and they're like, oh, we're kind of concerned about you, but it's more our reputation, <laughs> and they said, what'll happen is, if or when one of you drowns, um, often it's not reported that just amateurs did it and people just hear someone drowned in that river and then they said it just really hurts our business. And we were like, oh, bad luck, we're going to go anyway, right? <laughs> so they were like, okay, if, you, if we can't talk you out of it, what we'll do is if you can go behind us, I think there was like four or so of the, you know, those proper rafts, the big inflatable things. So they said, if you don't mind, we'll go first and then at the end of each of the sets of rapids, we'll all be, like the professional dudes will all be on the side ready to like dive in and we have ropes that we throw and you can catch a rope. And we were like, ah, sweet ass. You know, we're New Zealanders. We're like, it's all good, bro. So after the second set of rapids, our raft started to fall apart. <laughs> so some of the, the straps were breaking and it was getting a bit chaotic. And honestly, every time we went through a set of rapids, there's like all these guys on the edge ready to dive in. And so I was like, hang on, I think they know something that I don't. This is getting a little bit scary. So I don't know, half, three quarters of the way, whatever, down the river, there's quite a big drop. So I don't know it. It felt like it was as high as this building, but maybe not quite that high. And so they stopped us just before that, and they were like, hey, seriously, your raft is not going to survive. You will go over. It's going to fall apart, and some of you are probably going to drown. They were real serious, and we're all like, ah, sweet ass, you know, feel good. Um, and they said, the, the thing you've got to remember, and I, I know heaps of you know this, is that when there's a big waterfall, <clears throat> excuse me, when there's a big waterfall like this drop, um, what happens is the water comes down with such pressure that you can get trapped under the waterfall, and so it'll push you down to the bottom of the river, and you'll be stuck, and you will not be able to move, or it'll be just rolling you underwater, and you'll be stuck there. And so we're all like, yeah, sweet ass, no problems, bro, we're all good, <laughs> idiots. So I was at the back of the raft with a mate, and as we went over, it was like oh my gosh, what have we done? And our raft just disintegrated, right? The poles snapped, everything just... <laughs> and myself and another guy got under the waterfall, got sucked and pushed right down to the bottom and were drowning, literally, quite terrifying. Um, and nothing you can do. You're just tossed and turned and hitting the bottom and you, you're just... Nothing you can do. And then the next minute, a very strong hand grabbed my arm and I'm <laughs> come flopping out of the water, freaking out. And what had happened is all the guys were on the side and they'd tied a rope around one of the main guys. And as soon as we went over and they saw that of the, I think it was eight of us, two of us did not come up, <laughs> this guy just dived straight into the waterfall with the rope around him and somehow managed to catch my mate, who somehow managed to catch my arm and suck us, <laughs> pull us back out of, the, um, out of the waterfall. So, thank you. 
That's how my life feels a little bit at the moment, right? It feels like I'm kind of under this waterfall and I'm just getting hammered and hammered by disunity and people judging one another and confusion and fear and worry. But I know that Jesus, he dived in originally to save me from that. And to me, one of the most beautiful things about being a Christian is that he dives in again and again and again and again. And sometimes he comes to me and he says, Craig, don't go over that waterfall. Your, your raft, in quotes, is going to fall apart. Don't go over the waterfall. And because I think I know more than him, I'm like, nah, sweet as Jesus, it's all good. And then it, next minute I'm drowning. <laughs> and he never stands on the shore going, told you so. He dives in again <laughs> and again. And, and I honestly feel there's times where I feel, not like physically, but you know what I mean, I feel the, the strong hand of Jesus um, God talks about putting his arms around us and sometimes in the craziness it feels like God's like, I've got you. <laughs> I've got you. Um, one of the core cool verses that we wanna, I want to look at as we go through this next series is this one here from Matthew 12, 21. Um, and his name will be the hope of all the world. I love that, eh? His, hope will be the, the, his name will be the hope of all the world. This is a quote from Isaiah prophesying the coming of, of Jesus. And one of the things I want you to think about is what does it actually mean that Jesus is the hope of the world? It's one of those phrases we kind of chuck out as Christians all the time, especially at Christmas. They're like, yeah, Jesus is the hope of the world. But if someone came to you and said, what does that mean? How is he the hope of the world? There's a lot of people that have no idea who Jesus is, so how is he their hope? What does this actually mean? So that's kind of what I want to unpack a bit. And one of the big things um, as we go through this series, sorry, Um, this talk today is a bit of a transition one out of that last series, which was hope but not as the world hopes, into more of a Christmas-focused series. And I just wanted to transition us a bit. So n- the next three sermons have angels and shepherds and all the cool Christmas stuff, right? So that's cool. But today's a bit of a transitional one. So if you're a crazy Christmas person, you can just sit there and judge me if you want, but that's kind of where I'm going. And that one of the things I want to talk about today is that one of the key reasons that Jesus is hope is because he brings truth, right? He brings truth. And this is what I want to talk a bit about first, is that we do live in a world of lies, right? We live in a world of lies. And I want to explain this really carefully. And in a minute, I'm going to show a verse that when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, terrifying verse, right? Um, So I've been reading a devotion at the moment by John Mark Comer, so a book of his, um, which I just love. So John Mark Comer would be my, probably my favorite living author at the moment. He wrote a book called Live No Lies. And in it, he's talking about how, how most, if not all of us, have different lies that we are aware of and sometimes not aware of that have defined who we are, right? So some of these have come from our parents and our upbringing. Some of these are things that we've absorbed and decided about ourselves. Some of these have come to us from our workplace or social media or whatever. And he just talks about how, how so many of us are living in a world of lies and often we're aware of those lies, but it feels safer to stay with a lie than to try and fight that lie. So, for example, here's some easy ones. Um, a grown man who was berated by his father. So now he believes he's only good if he's successful at work. And I've talked to heaps of guys that would say that. Or a mum who feels that she failed raising one of her children. So now she feels that everything she does is a failure. Lies, right? That, that get into our soul. It's not true. Again, sometimes we're oblivious to them, but sometimes we're aware of them. Or a teenage girl who compares herself to the mirage of Instagram and believes she's ugly 
and unlovable. Or a growing woman who was raised by a perfectionist mother so now believes that she has to be perfect in everything she does. You see what I mean, eh? These, these lies that come on and they, they attach themselves to our souls, right? Um, I love this quote from um, John Mark Comer. It's pretty, pretty grunty. He says, The illusions we cling to become part of our identity and with it our security. They make us feel safe even as they imprison us in fear. Ripping them out of the hummus of our soul can be excruciating. I'll read it again because it's quite a powerful quote. The illusions we cling to become part of our identity and with it our security. They make us feel safe even as they imprison us in fear. Ripping them out of the hummus of our soul can be excruciating. It's pretty full on, right? This whole idea that some of us in this room, some of you listening on the podcast, right, we're, we're holding lies that have defined us or are defining us, and it's not true. Sometimes we're aware of them, but a lot of the times we're just not aware of, of a lie that's become a part of who we are from our upbringing or social media or whatever, right? And now I want to add another whole aspect to this um, from this verse from 2 Timothy. This is pretty, pretty grunty. Let me read this, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. Um, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's pastoring a church, and he says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. And then this, this second verse is really powerful. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. It's like, what? So I've read this verse a ton of times, right, like heaps of you. And I always thought this was talking about non-Christians, and I was like, I read it, and I was like, well, duh, the second verse, right? Duh, of course they might escape the devil's trap if they come to understand the truth about Jesus. And duh, they're being held captive by the devil. He can do whatever he wants with non-Christians. But when I was reading it this week, and I was like, ah, oh, hang on, I need to read the whole book and read some context and stuff around it. Paul, as you guys probably know, you're all like, Craig, where have you been? Paul's talking to the church. <laughs> so he's talking about Christians here. So this whole chapter here is talking about false teachers, right, or the section before it. And so what he's saying is, hey, these people in the church who are believers in Jesus, who are Christians, I'm sure some of them weren't, but a bunch of them would be, that are believers in Jesus, that are Christians. But, and then you look at that last line, but they are held captive by the devil to do whatever he wants. And I was reading this, I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. How does Satan hold us captive? Um, I want to be clear. Um, I don't think Satan can possess Christians because we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? But there's a lot of verses that talk about him being able to control us. So how does he do that? Um, in John 8, Jesus calls Satan the father of lies, right? The father of lies. Um, one of my favorite preachers, Craig Rochelle, always says this funny phrase. He says, um, how do you know when Satan's lying? Because his lips are moving. <laughs> and the idea is everything he does is just a lie, a lie, a lie, a lie. So you put that truth with these verses, right? That Satan, one of the ways I think that he, he captivates us, that he traps us in his trap, is by using the lies that we hold on to, the lies that we've believed about ourselves and that have come to us maybe from our parents, and not intentionally, maybe intentionally. The lies that we, for some reason, have, have decided to believe, the lies that we've believed about ourselves from what society says or social media or whatever. And again, some of them we're aware of them, but often we're just not aware of it. But what I think this verse is saying is that Satan uses those lies that we hold on to, that we believe about ourselves, to trap us, to control us, right? Now again, he's talking to Christians, so it's kind of a, it's a really, oh, 
kind of verse when you see it like that. Does that make sense, eh? It's powerful, powerful. So I want to get back to this whole thing, right? There's too much devil and depressing, horrible topics, right? It's meant to be a Christmas sermon. So how is Jesus the hope of the world? How does he fit into all this? And to me, it's real simple, right? Um, Jesus offers us a life of truth, right? Jesus offers us a life of truth. So Satan wants to come, the world wants to come, and, and there's so much lies in it. Um, but Jesus wants to come and offer us a life of truth. Um, if that guy hadn't have dived into the river and into the waterfall and, and saved me, I probably would have drowned, right? And I want to say this real carefully, same thing with you and the lies that the evil one wants to have you under. If you're not connecting regularly with Jesus, then you will drown. I'm not saying you'll lose your salvation, he can't drag you away from your connection with God, but the world will just squash you (laughs) like the waterfall was squashing me. Jesus is there with his hand out saying, hey, (laughs) I am hope, I am truth, but it's always an offer from him. He never forces it on us, he offers it to us, right? He offers it to us. Um, so this is kind of a key verse. Um, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if you read this without the context, it feels like quite a mean verse, to be honest, right? Because, well, man, I do it on here, and I forget up there. There we go. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It can feel like a bit of a mean verse, because you're like, okay, bro, you've done a great job, hopefully a great job, maybe not. Feel free to tell me, or don't tell me, because I might burst into tears. In the first half of the sermon, talking to me about lies and Satan, and I'm freaking out. (laughs) How do I get the truth that's going to bring freedom and hope, right? And then you read this, and you're like, well, you'll just know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if you're like me, you're like, but where's the truth? I don't know the truth. How do I find it? Is it like God hides it somewhere? And he's like, hey, good luck finding the truth. If you can, it's hidden over here. But, you know, and dig through your Bible and go to Bible college for 27 years and become a pastor because pastors, I mean, look at Chris's beard. That's beautiful, right? He's just instantly wise, right? No, (laughs) no. The thing I love about this is you pull in the context of what Jesus is saying here and it's like, oh my gosh, not only is it not a trick of God, like dig it out if you can find the truth, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to find. This is crazy, but that's how God does it, right? So you look at the verse before it, so a bit of context here. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain, and this is the key, right? If you remain faithful to my teachings and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. We could read it like this. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And if you remain faithful to my teachings, you'll just know the truth and the truth will set you free. I just love that, eh? Because it's not this like tricky thing. It's not something where I've got to read massive commentaries and have 50 coffees with an elder to try and dig out the truth. It's like Jesus says it's not rocket science. It's like read the Bible. (laughs) Read the Bible and that's where you'll see the truth. The, The world's hitting me with lies. I grew up in a crazy environment. I have lies. Satan's trying to captive me and lies, lies, lies. Man, how do I, where's the truth? Jesus is like, oh, just look at my life. It's not rocket science. It's just right there laid out before you. So here's, this is kind of a rude question, but I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I'm allowed to ask the occasional rude question. So if you're not reading the Bible, then you're never going to know the truth that sets you free, Right? Because you'll hear the world, you'll hear Satan, you'll hear your upbringing, your whatever, and that lie will define you. And the only way to get truth and freedom is to get into the Bible, because that's what Jesus is saying, right? If I don't do that, then Satan's like, 
Oh, man, it is so easy just keeping them captive. Oh, my gosh, because they're not reading the truth. They're never going to see the hope of Jesus. But for those of us that, that dig into the Word, you know, and it's not like getting crazy. It's just having a little read in the morning, read a few verses of the book of Mark, look at the life of Christ. He tells me who I am. <laughs> he tells me who my God is and his love. And, care. and that's the freedom, right? The truth. The truth that we read. Um, you see it real clearly in um, the temptation of Jesus. So if you've got your Bible, jump over to um, Luke chapter 4. Uh, it's, or if you've got a device, say, click over there. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of little verses. I, I love this, this temptation of, of Jesus pretty full on, right? But in here you see exactly what I'm saying, right? And you guys know it, so I'm not letting any cats out of the bag before I read it. Um, the whole thing is Satan comes to attack Jesus, normally attacks his identity, and Jesus just quotes scripture, and Satan's like, dang it. It's <laughs> exactly what Jesus said in the verses I read, right? To combat the lies, to get the truth, you need to understand the teaching of the Bible. Um, I always think this is a funny bit to read, so before I read it, you've got to get, like, this is the second biggest battle in the history of the universe, right? So the first one's when Satan comes to God in heaven and is like, I want to be God. And God's like, yeah, see you later. And Satan and a third of the angels are kicked out of heaven, right? Massive battle, right? And now this is, this, I think, the second most massive battle. We now have Satan, the controller of the world at this time, um, the, the king of darkness, the evil prince, you know, whatever you want to call him. And you've got verses, you know, Jesus, the creator of the universe. Now, you'd expect to read it, and it's like, and mountains were torn asunder, and volcanoes erupted, and angels with flaming swords, and horses with wings, and all this. But you don't, <laughs> because all Jesus does is just quote scripture back at Satan, which just totally disarms him. I'll just read a few bits because you see it, and it's just crazy. Oh, the other thing that always amazes me is, is the context of this. So this happens straight after the baptism of Jesus. And so at the baptism of Jesus, which is the beginning of Jesus' ministry of three and a bit years, um, God, even though Jesus knows, God reminds Jesus who he is, reminds him of his identity as he goes into a massive battle. He battles Satan the whole way through his ministry, right? He battles the Jewish leaders the whole way through his ministry, he ends up battling his family. Remember, his, um, his brothers and sisters come and say he's insane and you take him away. He battles his disciples at the end because they deny him, desert him. It's just all these battles coming. And for God, it's so important that as he heads into this, he's reminded of who his identity is. That's one of the core things we have to understand, right? And so right before this is the baptism of Jesus where God speaks out and says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And even though Jesus is God, I just wonder how many times through this battle with Satan, and you'll see it in a sec, and this, his battle with Jewish leaders, his battle with his family, his battle is battle, he just holds on to the truth. I know who I am, right? I am the beloved son, or in your case, a daughter of God. And he is well pleased in me. I'm going to hold on to that truth, right? Because that just combats the lies, right? Combats the lies. So you guys know it, and you'll see Satan goes straight for his identity, right? Straight for his identity. The devil said, if you are the son of God. In other words, really? How would we know? Maybe you could prove it to us. Tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus just says, no, scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. <laughs> Satan attacks him again. I'll give you the glory of all these kingdoms, all these authority, they're mine to give. <laughs> Verse 8, Jesus says, no. Scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God. Carry on. You see, he's saying exactly what he said in those verses before, that the lies of 
the world and, and parents and whatever that have got us, that even we've told ourselves that have got us. But lies of Satan, the only way they can be combated is with the truth of Scripture. Remember, you see, those who are faithful to my teachings. And I love how he proves it here. He sees it. He doesn't do some extra thing. I love that, eh? Here's back to that first um, verse I looked at it. It's kind of one of the key verses of this little series. His name will be the hope of all the world. Um, I just love that, the, that, that one of the aspects of Jesus being the hope of all the world is simply that he comes and offers us truth about who we are, right? Truth about who we are. I just kind of feel like at the moment the world is trying to define us into so many crazy different ways. And Jesus just comes to us and says, no, no, don't. Listen to them. Let me define you. Let me tell you who you are. The only place that you'll find truth about who you really are and about who your God is is in the Bible. So again, are you reading the Bible? Because <laughs> if you're not, Satan's just sitting there going, <laughs> he really is. That's what that verse said, right? Um, real easy. I know I've said this 50 times, right? But real easy. You could start in the book of Mark. Such a cool, easy book to understand. And don't plan to do four hours every day because you'll last like a day and then give up. So just say five minutes. So I'm going to do five minutes. Um, I'm going to do a little prayer. God, can you just teach me something today? What's that, like five seconds? <laughs> and then I'm going to read a section of Mark. So Mark is just broken into all these little chunks. <laughs> just going to read a little chunk. It'll take like a minute, maybe two minutes, if. Um, and then if you're a journaler, just write a little note. Man, what did I learn today? Or if not, just sit there and think for a minute. What is God saying to me? Read the scripture. What is God saying to me? And then a prayer and into your day. And if Jesus is correct, which he is, <laughs> you are then being faithful to his teachings. So you will know the truth about who you are. Now, before you didn't read and Satan's like, Whoa! <laughs> now when you read it, Satan is like, and I won't say it because I think he uses swear words, but he will be ticked off. <laughs> Because when he comes to you during the day with little temptations and little false truths and lies about who you are, that bounce, boing, bounce, boing, <laughs> off you because you have centered yourself in the word of Almighty God. <laughs> but like I said at the real beginning, Jesus offers it. <laughs> it's up to us whether we want to take that or not. Yeah. Etu, let's all stand up and let me pray for us. Hey, worship team, do you want to come on up and lead us in some more worship? That'd be cool. Cool, let me... Let me pray for us, eh? Yeah. Yeah, almighty God, aye. Thanks for making it so easy. I just love that, eh? I mean, I know it takes time, and there's heaps of stuff we read that we're like, what? I'm confused, and we shout someone a coffee and, and figure it out with them, but there's so much about who we are that Jesus just says so clearly, so simply. Um, oh, man, I just pray right now. In the name of Jesus, if there's someone listening... On the podcast, if there's someone in this room that's sitting here going, oh, yeah, I should do that, but nah. <laughs> Man, again, a lie of Satan. That person is being held captive by him. Man, yeah, in the name of Jesus, can you just bring some real freedom to them, God? Give them the intentionality and the discipline to set an alarm for tomorrow morning or tomorrow night or something or find some time in their lunchtime. Yeah, every lunchtime I'm going to sneak to this little place and just spend time in the Word. Just five minutes, hey, reading the truth. Reading the truth, reading the truth. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you that one of the, the huge ways that you are, the hope of the world, 
is because you are truth. <laughs> you are truth, and the closer we get to you, the tighter we connect in with you. Just through simply reading and praying. <laughs> um, the more the lies that we have believed that have become part of our soul are exposed and removed as you define us and describe us and show us who we are. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for making it easy, though. Hey, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Jesus, that you not only dived in to the crazy waterfall and saved us, um, you continue to dive in again and again and again and again. And you never get tired of diving in to save us, and we call out to you. It's awesome. Yeah. Bless us now. Meet with us again as we continue to sing and worship to you. Yeah, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.